Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening and welcome to this episode of the FPC Raiders podcast. My host, Terrence Biggs, with my co-host, Malik Obi. Well, the Raiders actually whew, made it. Well, they held on to win 34-30, and it was a lot closer than I thought it would be because of the talent across the field for the Panthers. But just a couple of quick points. One of the things that I was happy about was seeing an efficient Derek Carr. And I know that he has a high completion percentage, but it's more of the fact he took his shots downfield, and that's something that, we haven't seen early. Like he came right out the gate trying to find Henry Ruggs, and seeing Ruggs get behind the secondary is—I mean, Carr actually overthrew him. You don't hardly see that too often. It's one of those things that it is miraculous to see. And we will get into that. We also will preview the Saints, who are going to help the Raiders open up Las Vegas, the Las Vegas era. But before we jump into that, my co-host of Pride of Morgan State, author, writer, vlogger, my man Malik Obi. Obi, what's good? What's up, T? Like you said, uh, just another heart attack game, you know. Um, but the Raiders got to win at the end of the day. I mean, and we listen. I think I think there's been very clear that we don't have any problem you know, saying that we were wrong or giving giving people their props, players, um and on in that regard, uh you gotta say Derek Carr, you know, like you said, he looked pretty efficient. 
he was, you know, that touchdown pass to Nelson Aguilar was nice. Uh, you know, we got to, you know, uh, like it's like you said, it's never anything personal with Derek Carr in particular. Just a matter of like, hey, you know, we need to see more. And, you know, even with Ruggs getting hurt, even with, you know, everything, he, you know, looked pretty efficient. It wasn't really too many, you know, if any, you know, bonehead plays from him. Um, he played really smart with the ball. They managed the clock pretty well on offense. Um, you know, that for the most part, Gruden's play calling was pretty decent. Um, but we know what the big question mark is. Uh, yeah, we're going to get into it. Now we're going to kind of break it down unit by unit. And I know you mentioned Carb. I want to talk about Gruden and the play calling early. Like like I mentioned, they went right at the teeth of the Panthers' defense by trying to get vertical. And do you think that was more of a design? Or do you think that that was a car feeling? I I think it was designed the same way I feel like that the uh, Panthers said, hey, they have um, – a rookie in Damon Arnett and um and uh and and Trayvon Mullen is pretty much, you know, still very young. We're gonna try to go at, at Arnett. We're gonna try to go at Egg Harris who we know is uh, you know I don't wanna say a journeyman, but he's still, you know, proven himself. So I think that that it definitely was by design to try to point out the weaknesses. I mean, the Panthers front four, like we said, uh, was pretty is 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 pretty solid on paper. They they were kind of neutralized, but um, in that regard, the the, the secondary was bad. Um, and then the Raiders had an opportunity to go up against a rookie themselves and Troy Pride Jr. and they made the most of it. You know, they got a touchdown out of it. I thought they did. Like I said. Thought they did pretty good in terms of, um, you know, trying to attack some weak points that the Panthers had, and yeah, um, it was definitely by design in my opinion. Now, with it's funny, like we mentioned, like we have been harsh on Carr, not because it's a personal thing. People conflate that or people confuse that for personal animus. Is the fact that people are sick of losing and they want to see the team actually prosper and win, and you know. The team invested a lot of money in cars, so therefore the expectations should be higher. And he literally walked in, did his part, clean. But I want to talk about Josh Jacobs. Now, here's my thing. Out of the 49 plays that Josh Jacobs, or the snaps that he saw, he touched the ball 29 of those. That's a lot. And he had three touchdowns, over 100 yards. But do you think that 29-touch game is going to be the standard, or do you think that he should probably jump in the upper teens to low 20s? I definitely feel like that it can't be the standard. I mean, I understand that they tried to, you know, you know, see what they had last year and bring him in smoothly just to make sure and, you know, with the injuries, nagging injuries, take take it easy. But 
Booker and Richard, who they gave an extension to, need to step up and prove they're worthy of carries. I mean, I pointed out today in the stat that Josh Jacobs is averaging the most yards ever for Raiders running back, ever, career, uh, per game. Um, but Josh Jacobs is, he fought through some nagging injuries, and this is a, listen, the Raiders have had very bad luck with running backs over the last 30 years, 30-plus 30 years. They need to, in a sense, preserve him, and they have the opportunity to do that, and they paid Jalen Rashard as if they would do that, and they brought in Booker to do that. They, the backups need to earn their keep. Period. I mean, Josh Jacobs is, listen, he, he, he looks effortless out there at times. He makes something out of nothing, but he needs to have an insurance policy behind him. He needs, they need to build a rotation. You know, Jalen Rashard was MIA Sunday. He has to step up, whatever, in practice or whatever. He needs to show that, prove that he can be reliable, uh, to hold on to the ball. Yes, Josh Jacobs is a three-down back, right? He can easily have a 1,000-1,000 season. But if they want to stretch him out and get the most out of this, they need the the rest of the backfield to step up. And let's be real. In the past, when you see Jalen Rashard, even when you saw DeAndre Washington, it wasn't the same, you know, feeling of, you know, that something could break off. And I'm not talking about Jalen Rashard's first carry. I'm talking about after that, like in the years that have come. That was four years ago. So they definitely need to step up and provide some help for him. It's funny that um, you mentioned the <clears throat> the first Rashard carry. Like my son had just turned four, and – Two days after he was born was the Saints and Raiders, and I remember watching it. He's like I said, he's like at the time, but two days old. He's like four now, and it's watching Rashard break it with seventy-five. In my mind, I swore, swore that he was going to be that guy. Never happened. That was his his first carry was his best. His first touch ball was his best. Yep. And I just, I mean, you look at him, you look at Devontae Booker, they had 15 touches total. And I look at Josh Jacobs, and I don't want to see uh, Cadillac Williams, who was a rookie under John Gruden, and John Gruden pretty much ran him into the ground. He was out of the league by 29 because of the miles that he put on those first couple of years. He had like 500 carries total. That's a lot. Now, we need to spend a good amount of time talking about the offensive line. So when we come back from break, I want to jump into the offensive line and the foolery I saw at tight end. (laughs) You are listening to the FPC Radio Podcast on the FPC Radio Network. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We are back with the FPC Radio podcast on the FPC Radio Network. Aaron Spiggs and Malik Obi. Obi, the offensive line, they straight up, there's a meme going around of a, um, a high school team. All the offensive linemen are dirty. They're all wearing white uniforms, and the quarterback is sitting there clean, just white jersey, white helmet, every, white gloves, everything white. And it says that, it, the meme says, we do what we do to make sure he looks like this. So basically, if we want to draw that parallel, the Raiders offensive line did the exact same thing. Like they kept Derek Carr upright and clean and he yep. had time. And I know you mentioned this before, but Rodney Hudson might be the best Raiders offensive player they've had in. Huh. He is. If I, can, I mean, and I let me say this. The last time they were in the, since the last time they were, since the last time they were good, Roddy Hudson might be the best player they've had. Yeah. When you really you... think about it. And, you know, when you talk about that offensive line, you got to talk about the fact that this time last year, we were still convinced that Richie Incognito was crazy and we didn't know if he was going to make it through the season. Granted, he still may be crazy, but he stepped up on the field. You know, he's been there. He's provided. I mean, he was the highest ranked, uh, uh, well, highest graded, sorry, uh, Raiders player per PFF uh, Sunday. The line looked dominant. They neutralized Derek Brown. They neutralized Brian Burns. They neutralized rookie Yator Grossmatoff. They neutralized Kawan Short. Jacobs ran all over him. Carr was not touched, like you said. And... The Raiders had serviceable right tackle play from Denzel Good, who they re-signed, uh, and from Sam Young. Sam Young came in, Derek Carr did not get touched. Now, granted, the Raiders are about to go against Cam Jordan. They're about to go against uh, Marcus Davenport, Daniel Onyemata. Uh, I believe, yeah, I mean, is talent all over the place, right? But there's no reason to believe that the Raiders cannot handle it at this point. Now, if you said, now, let's just take the last 10 years, for instance. If you said that the Raiders' starting right tackle was going to go down and the quarterback would not be sacked, that would be unbelievable. You would think I was hot if I said that. But that's the reality <laughs> that we have right now. It's would you know, not? Listen, I mean, people don't realize, I mean, some of this is funny, like years in the minute, we got to give a slight bit of, uh, not slight, but we got to give credit to McKenzie, oh, the former GM. His thought of building the team with from the lines out, I know it's a common NFL trope, but he spent money on the offensive line. He made sure that Hudson and Gabe 
Jackson were taken care of, and he, you know, they spent money. They they spent money and draft capital, and it is astonishing to see. Like you see other teams with offensive line problems. If you look at the Seattle Seahawks, you look at R- Russell Wilson. For the most part of his career, he's been running for his life. Yep. And he, they haven't, they spent money on their secondary and their wide receivers and their kids running back, but they didn't put money into the the offensive line. And they spent the money on Trent Brown. They spent. Speaking of Trent Brown, a couple questions. Why are people so weird who like surf through an athlete's uh, social media and then kind of questioning his heart? Well, listen, I've been watching this unfold on social media, and people have started conspiracies. They have questioned his work ethic. They've questioned his injuries. They've questioned if he even cares about playing football, if he's out for the money. You know, listen, listen, I think that there's a great possibility that he could have just been overweight and out of shape and he's you know suffering the consequences right now and I also believe that there's a chance that the man could be injured and he's fighting through it I mean he's 380 damn pounds he's on 7 feet this guy's bigger than Shaq you know so it's like he could be fighting injury and that could just be it but at the end of the day people have I don't know they just, especially with the Raiders fans, I don't know if this is the case for any other fan base, I don't know, but Raiders fans have a tendency to make things about whatever they want to make it about, and this is the case. I mean, it is just kind of that quick parallel of people who may not think he's actually injured. When I was a kid, there was a pitcher named J.R. Richard. He played for the Houston Astros. Like, six foot eight, huge black dude. Like, threw the ball, like, high 90s. Just, just would just strike people out. He he may have been next, next to Nolan Ryan, the best player they've had. So, I was about, I think it was like five or six, I think I was six. And he had a blood clot in his neck. He had complained about pain. He had complained about so much but had a stroke and he never became who he was again he never became that guy that pitcher and for the longest time people swore that he was faking it because he said he was tired he didn't feel right the man had a stroke at 30 basically and it slowed his career to a halt like, on the way to being, like, a Hall of Famer. Like, going to be that dude. And it just never panned out. And so when I see somebody injured or with a, an athlete with injury, I I tend to err on the side of caution because you don't know if somebody's, you know, straight-up legit hurt and you don't want to sit there and be wrong because if you're wrong, you look like a fool. I think fans sometimes tend to forget that this is their hobby. This is their pastime. For these athletes, this is their job. Yep. And this is a career. This is like what they do. Like when they when they fill out their taxes, athlete is right there. And it's just weird to see so many people jump on Trent Brown. And plus, like you said, he's three eighty. He's like six eight. It's 
that's a lot of sides moving in one direction. Now, exactly. I want to talk about just speaking on the offensive line, Colton Miller. Colton Miller played well against Brian Burns, and I was scared because with Brian Burns' speed and long arms and that twitch factor, the fact that he could just he could you know cut on a penny, not just a dime. He he, he cuts on small currency basically, and Miller acquitted himself very well, and I was stunned. Are you surprised to see him play that well against an, a top-level rusher? Um, I think that the issue with him is not speed, but more so physicality, strength, and that's going to be the test this weekend. I mean, well, next week is – He's showed that he can, you know, keep up in terms of agility and athleticism. He can keep up with most guys, but it's when guys are power rushers, it seems to me, that he has a lot of issues. My thing is, you know, hopefully Trent Brown is back uh, because Cam Jordan is, arguably a top five pass rusher, arguably. And he's going to be a fit for whoever's on that right side. But Marcus Davenport and the rotation that they have, Davenport is a pretty physical guy. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Colton can keep up. But I'll tell you this. I think right now people have to talk to end discussion about uh, Colton Miller and Derwin James because, the best ability ability is availability. Sure, Colt Miller doesn't have a Pro Bowl, but Colt Miller is on the field. You know, yep. through the knee breaks and everything, he's been on the field. So I mean, that's I was, it. Mm-hmm. Like, I was sitting there, and I, I mean, just like you, I was watching the Raiders draft Colt Miller ahead of Derwin James, and I was hotter than fish grease. I was so mad, and but like you said, Colt Miller is there every game. Derwin James is unfortunately dealing with his second consecutive season-ending injury, and as talented as he is, you got to wonder how much, how many of these injuries, especially with the lower with the leg injuries, are going to take it out of him. And you know, Colton Miller, who's over here, he had a rough rookie season. We all admit it, but he played better last year, and yep. he's getting better. He's literally getting better week to week, and it's good to see it. And like you said, Cam Jordan is one of those guys where people forget, one, how big Cam Jordan is because he's about 285. He's big. He's not just like a regular edge rusher type. He has some size behind him and some strength. So that will be a good matchup. And plus, you know, people, you know, forget that Cam Cam Jordan also has that secondary skill of – oh, that skill of secondary – advantage of being around the game since he was a little kid. As we know, his dad was Steve Jordan from the Vikings. And just a quick side note, you might not remember this because this may have been a little bit before your time, but there was a vignette with Steve Jordan and Kurt Henning, who's Mr. Perfect at the time, you know, the wrestler guy. And the thing with the stick was Steve Jordan was sitting there watching Kurt Henning in, like, the Vikings' uh like the uh, practice bubble, throwing deep passes to himself because his whole gimmick was being a, like, 
perfect athlete. So, so when I see Cam Jordan, I think of his dad, and I think of how good his dad was, and I just think of the fact that he is going to be a terror, and it'll be interesting to watch. Now, when we come back from break, I want to jump on, you know, jump into the defensive side of the ball and kind of recap how atrocious that was. You are listening to the FPC Raiders podcast on the FPC Radio Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We are back with FPC Radio Podcast on FPC Radio Network. Terrence Biggs, Malik Obi. Obi, huh. let's talk about that lack of pass rush on Sunday. You're facing a Carolina offensive line where outside of Russell Okun, you had guys that were beatable. Why do you think guys got home? Oh, man. I, 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 you know, it seems to me it's like 90% of the Raiders' defensive group is better run support than pass rushing, you know, so – that's a problem. I mean, especially for a team that historically, well, out, not historically, but I mean, let's say in like the last eight or nine years, has struggled overall putting up number wise in, in in terms of sacks. I don't mean Khalil Mack. I mean overall as a team, the Raiders have been top. They haven't been top ten in sacks since you know, like Richard Seymour and and and, and all those guys. So. This that's an issue. I mean, we're not even talking about top ten. We're talking about not being at the bottom of the league. That's an issue, and this is something that continues to happen year after year. So eventually, you got to look at it and say, what is what is wrong with our talent evaluation that we keep getting to this point? I mean, Carl Nassib came in. I think he got credited with half a sack with uh, Mohurst, uh, but. This is a real issue. I mean, even Max Crosby didn't really get home. He didn't really – he wasn't really too effective uh, in terms of the pass rush. You know, the Raiders did the best that they could against Christian McCaffrey. The Panthers made some bad decisions in terms of when and when not to give him the ball. But the Raiders certainly have a problem here. They need to figure it out immediately. And we look at – Cleveland Farrell, I mean, we have hearts on it, and I don't want to seem like we're piling on a guy, but, bruh, he is out here being blocked by tight ends. And one of the cardinal rules is that if you're a defensive end, you should not let a tight end block you on a regular basis. And he's being stoned by tight ends. Yep. It was never a point where I said, wow, I realized. In my, you know, Arden Key played better than Cleveland Farrell. First of all, and then even you know everybody jumped. I even jumped to give him credit on the last play. But if you watch the film, 
Eric Harris and Corey Littleton pretty much pushed him into that play. So, you know, he needs to step up. And this week against, against the Saints is not a good indication of him, uh, you know, having an up week, but we'll see. I mean, they're facing a a rookie center in Ruiz. You're facing an elite tackle on e- like pretty much on either side. And with Farrell, I just – am I the only person – I mean, I could be wrong. You watch just as much film as I do. Is it just not there? You know what? I mean, I get that everybody feels like, oh, these guys would have benefited from the preseason, especially him with the added weight and everything. But, I mean, he just looked flat out bad. He looked flat. He looked – and uh, I, and I think this is a point of note that people need to think about. I think it's easy for these guys to forget. I mean, fans to forget that these guys can get caught up in uh, all of the bad publicity and everything. And uh, I think that it's a it's a it's a real chance that mentally he's not confident in himself. You know, I, I think that that could be the case. Because I just, I mean, I, I look at it, and I remember him from Clemson. I remember, like, reading other draft profiles other than ours and talking to you extensively and looking at, like I said, even more film. And I try hard not to want to throw Josh Allen, the defensive end from, or the defensive end slash linebacker from the Jaguars in there, but it's hard not to. Because Josh Allen, you know, kind of jumps off the page. He is seemingly everything that Cleveland Farrell struggles with, that explosion, that first step, the hand placement, the those quick hands. Farrell gets locked on, and you can pretty much hang it up. He's not going to disengage or shed that block. And now with extra weight, if you're Paul Gunther, Farrell has extra weight. Do you just rotate him in as a tackle now and just, you know, forget the days of being a defensive end because it doesn't seem like that's in his plan or that's in his skill set right now? I feel like they're trying to gear towards that because he spent so many snaps inside. But the reality is it looks so bad. I mean, in terms of where he was selected and everything, to be – saying, hey, we basically, you know, use the fourth pick on an interior defensive line, and that's, you know, and we're not talking about a guy. I mean, surely if teams could redraft, they take Aaron Donald number one. But in terms of this, that's not something that you're going to do unless we're talking about a generational player. And even still, that it's it's such a risk because it's so much easier to get production in terms of turnovers, in terms of sacks, et cetera, traditionally from an interior defensive lineman. So it's hard to justify that pick that early, but you know, we're gonna to have to see what they can do, but he's gonna I don't know, it's just it's very uncertain right now. It's funny because I was talking to somebody and somebody was trying to sell me on Cleveland Farrell still and they used one of the weirdest parallels and equivalents 
based on draft position. Are you ready for this? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'm going to say that this is a guy who also played defensive end in college, was a fourth pick overall, and played some tackle, but played mostly a end in a four in a three four, and had his most success as a three four end. And he played he he played his last game in 2014, so he's of this era. And they try to draw the Cleveland Farrell comparison because this guy put on some weight too, and it became like a. He's known for having one pass rush move, just one, and just brute force. Hmm. If I say former Bengal. Uh, <laughs> then ended up in San Francisco to uh, finish his career. Oh, I'm stuck right now. Alden Smith. Oh, sorry, not Alden Smith. Justin Smith. Okay. Well, okay. They tried to yeah, draw that parallel of Cleveland Farrell and Justin Smith. Now you've watched Justin Smith. Justin Smith would just manhandle uh, a tackle and get and get upfield. I don't see Cleveland Farrell doing this. Yeah, Justin Smith, I mean, Justin Smith was so much better at throwing his weight around and getting it off the ball, engaging with his hands, that that's a really weird comparison to make, in my opinion. I mean, I'd much rather have, you know, uh, Max Crosby eventually emulate the, the, the strength aspect, even though Max is a lot smaller, but... It's strange because it's just a it's just it was a weird comparison, but outside, like you said, Carl Nassib and Maurice Hurst, they saved the Raiders from being embarrassed on Sunday as far as like the lack of pass rush. Like that one shared sack is it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing considering who you're playing. Now I want to move to linebackers now. The Panthers seemed to catch life after Nick Kwiatkowski left with injury. Is that more of a sign of the fact that he actually might be the fit there, or do you think that it was just the team they were playing? Because they do have Christian McCaffrey. Christian we seemed to wake up when Kwiatkowski was injured. Yeah, I mean uh... – I think that 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 would be a bigger the biggest loss of the team if this is a week to week week by week thing. Uh, I, I really really like Nick, so I, I felt like he, you know, has such a great understanding of the game, and he, you know, he's a play you know play caller for the defense, and he's he's read making reads and adjustments on the fly. Nick Morrow is not who I thought that he would be at this point, and that's a problem. I, I think they have a real problem on their hands if, if this Kwiatkowski injury is going to be a nagging one because Nick Morrow looks flat-out lost. As athletic as he is, he struggled with guys that were just as athletic in terms of diagnosing the plays and making his adjustments, and that's going to be an issue. 
Morrow's entering his fourth year, and by eight, by fourth, by by year four, you should be better than this. Yep. But it seems like for his speed, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. We uh, for someone who is his, he just seems like a step step behind. Not because of a lack of explosion; it's because of a lack of processing. Yeah, like it's it, like it seems like he sees it, but he reacts slower to it. Does that make sense? Yep. And just you would think with that size, that speed sizing, he'd be he'd be better in coverage. He takes bad angles. Not, I mean, we're going to discuss bad angles because there is a an an angle that cost the Raiders a seventy-five yard touchdown. I want to talk about in a minute, but. With Moro, it's just I don't see it. Like I just, I just I don't understand. Like it should be just better. But we're gonna now talk about that angle. Um, I want to talk about Eric Harris. People are hanging on to that game against the Colts last year as a barometer of what he can do, but pretty much had a couple of passes gift wrapped. He took one of the worst angles I've seen in a long time on that uh, Robbie Anderson play. Yep. Now, why don't you think the Raiders want to move LaMarcus joining the safety? I think it's because LaMarcus Joyner is, has, they don't want to, you know, rub him the wrong way or whatever as, as they look at him as a, a leader or anchor in that defense and try to move him out of a, a move him to a position that he doesn't want to play. I feel like they agreed on those terms in terms of him coming to Oakland in the first place. So I think that they don't want to cause a risk, even though Bruno makes it seem like it's his way or the highway. I mean, they've given him this money and made him this central figure of the defense. I think that that's more so what the, what the case is. I mean, Harris is a good role player safety. It just seems like it was just, it's not for him. It's not for him to start. Just If you look at that play where Robbie, Robbie Anderson gets loose and just goes, like 75 yards later, I'm like, oh, okay, there's help. No, there's, help never got there. Help took a wrong pursuit angle and it ended up getting torched. Now, we need to talk about Damon Arnett's bad day. Now, do you think, it, I mean, it was more of a, like you, like you had tweeted, it's a welcome to the NFL moment type thing. Do you think that over time, because he's, he's faith, he might he might catch a break this week, but do you think, from what you know of his mindset, that he would be able to shake this off quickly? Can you say that one more time? Do you think that Arnett would be able to shake off what happened on Sunday quickly? Uh, definitely. I think he's a very confident and intelligent player. I think that, you know, it's a learning lesson, and I think that, you know, I haven't said – I wouldn't ask this question for a lot of the past Raiders quarterbacks, cornerbacks, but I definitely think he does. I mean, there's – you know, footage of a young Charles Wilson talking about how he got beat really bad in his first game and 
you know, the motivation it was to take the next step. So I think that will be the case for, for Arnett as well. Now, before we switch to the Saints game, I want to ask about Jonathan Abraham. You also tweeted how he needs to, you know, kind of whew, not try to lay everyone out. How difficult do you think it is to try to drum out hyper-aggression hyper in the safety? I mean, I think it's very difficult. I mean, look at guys like Bob Sanders, who I'm sure people try to tell him to slow down and to take better technique and methods to tackle him to preserve his career, and it didn't happen, you know. So I definitely think it's something very difficult, you know. So I don't know how they'll fix that, but something needs to happen. Now, when we come back, I want to talk about the Saints and kind of give you the Saints preview because huh, the Raiders went from possible trouble to not looking bad. It's that moment where things can change on a dime. You are listening to the FPC Raiders podcast on the FPC Radio Network. We are back with the FPC Raiders podcast. Terrence Biggs, Malik Obi Obi. Now, the Raiders open up Allegiant Stadium with the New Orleans Saints. The first thing we're going to talk about, first and foremost, no Michael Thomas. How do you think that changes the game plan or changes your changes your opinion of the game and how it might transpire? Um, I mean, it, it really doesn't for me because I felt like the Raiders were going to have to try their best to 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 stop uh, whoever was out there, and they knew that they were going to have to prepare for being tested all across the board in terms of uh, the Saints' talent. I mean, even without Michael Thomas, they have to worry about dealing with Taysom Hill uh, on uh, RPOs, dealing with Alvin Kamara, Free Space, uh, Jared Cook. These, you know, Thomas is, you know, with with a young uh, secondary and two young corners like that, the probability of him getting off are good at, and having a good game are high anyway. But more so trying to figure out how to squeeze out Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara and make them less effective is going to be the main game plan anyway, in my opinion. Because I look at somebody like AI Traycon Smith who didn't see much burn, but he kinda you know, kinda jumps up now. It's one of those things where you're like, Oh, okay, you know, he's gonna become a factor, the guy out of Central Florida and I when I look at Michael Thomas, he is a high volume catcher. Like he he gets targeted ten, twelve times a game and Drew Brees is not shy about finding him. I want to speak about Drew Brees for a sec. Tomorrow we have an article coming out where I list the, you know, like the kind of wanting car to embrace some of that Drew Brees type of mentality where physically Derek Carr is a better athlete than Drew Brees will ever be. Let's just call it what it is. He's a little bit bigger, faster, has a better arm. But what Drew Brees does have is that the guts and the heart to be 
not just accurate, but to be accurate vertically where his yards per average, his his yards per attempt are somewhere around the mid seven, including going up to eight. And, but yet he still maintains a, I want to say a 68% completion percentage. That's incredible considering he's done it. He's completed 68% of his passes at least 10 times over his 20 year career. And I want Carr to embrace that. Like a while back, we, you and I are boxing fans, and we kind of mentioned that Tommy Hearns um, fight against uh, Marvin Hagler. When that first round, you see Hearns is going for it. He lost because he got knocked on a third, but he went for it and gave like the greatest round I've ever seen. Carney's embraced the fact that you can't be worried about seeing Drew Brees on the other side. He's got to go and punch these people in the mouth. Do you think, considering the Saints' defense as it is, and it has a tendency to struggle, that you know Carr is going to want to be aggressive early? I mean, I think that they should. I mean, I think they should be more aggressive. Period. But I definitely think that they need to to you know take some chances and figure out what they can and can't do with their defense. I mean. Marcus Lattimore is going to be there, but there are definitely holes and flaws in every defense. And one of the things about the Saints defense that I want to discuss with you is Janoris Jenkins. Now, he had a pick six on Sunday, but if you look at his stats and you look at his film, he might be one of the most hyper-aggressive corners in the league where, yes, he will, I think, Eight of his 24 current, 24 current interceptions went for pick sixes, but he also has eight defensive pass interferences since 2017, like six defensive holdings. He is a clutchy, grabby type of corner, and you've had somebody against Ruggs. Janoris Jenkins, if Ruggs is healthy, which I think he is, that's a hard matchup for both because you got the veteran who's going to try to manhandle the rookie, but if he gets by him, it's over. How do you see that playing out? I just, I mean, honestly, this would be an interesting matchup. I, I think the Raiders have matchups that they have a chance to win across the board. But, you know, it's it's more so a preparation thing. And I think with Paul Gunther, the question of him is, in, in terms of preparation, how are, how are these guys being groomed to grow and being groomed to succeed in this situation where they're really the underdogs throughout this entire season? Uh, and that's to be determined. I mean, the defense looked flat out bad yesterday. I mean, Sunday. They, the Raiders are not going to be able to put up 34 points on everybody. And if that's what's going to take the win, it's going to be an issue. I mean, like the room to grow, I mean, it, you have a lot of young players. you got – and it's not just a defensive thing. you got an offensive issue where we were supposed to talk about tight end foolery, and it slipped my mind because we had so much to get into. But even circling back to – both to your point, Jason Witten had 28 snaps on Sunday. Foster Moreau had 12. That's and a problem. 
that's a problem, especially you got a second year guy who showed, who flashed serious potential last year, and you have him behind a 39 year old tight end who is at the end and shouldn't be, you know. And he had a red zone target. Yep. That's a case of just why we like veteran leadership. You got to let the kid play on that one. You got to get happy to get him in here. Like, that was a play if they wanted to go to a tight end where that should have been a Foster Moreau play. And it just, you didn't need an extra tight end when you had three with Waller, Moreau, and Derek Carrier. Now you have, you know, you know, it just it's it's too many now. And circling back to the Gunther point, I want to see what the progress is with Arden Key this year. I want to see what the progress is with Isaiah Johnson. I want to see these guys who they have talent, or they have physical tools, but what's the next step? What's the maturation progress process like? And I think a game like this against the Saints who your, you know, Michael Thomas's injury forces Drew Brees to kind of spread the ball around a little bit more. That means the Raiders are going to need their secondary to step up. Who's your X factor on offense for this game against the Saints? Uh, I'm definitely going to say Darren Waller. I think that you know it is going to be tough for Rugs and Brian Edwards at times to get free uh, against veterans, proven veterans. Uh, so I think that Darren Waller is going to really have to take take some uh, big strides. Well, not strides, but he's going to have to dominate. I think a guy like Hunter Renfro, like he's going to he's going to give them fits, especially on those option routes, and kind of you know work his intermediate, short intermediate magic. And I think it'll be. Tough. Now on defense, who do you see the the X factor for Las Vegas? Uh, I'm gonna say uh, Corey Littleton. Definitely think he needs to have a, another good game. Um, he's the Saints are really talented across the board, and I I think he needs to step up uh, and, and hold the interior of that defense now. I agree. I think that it's it's a you know it's upon him if Quickhouse can't go. That falls a lot of that falls on Littleton to kind of jump in there and assume that mantle of leadership. If you had to predict a score, what do you think the score is going to be? Uh, I'd have to say somewhere around twenty-eight to twenty-four. You got the Saints coming on top, or do you think the Raiders will actually pull this one out at home? Uh, I think I'm going to give the Raiders a chance. I, I just think that that would be another major upset. I, like I said, I don't, I don't think I'm not going to act like I think the Raiders are going to make the playoffs this year, but I definitely think that they're going to pull off some games that they shouldn't, and this is one of them. Now, you know me. You know I am a pessimistic person when it comes to this team. I am the critic's critic. But I just can't get away with, uh, I can't get away from uh, Michael Thomas not being there and being injured. That, 
I thought the game would be a shootout anyway, but the Saints winning it. But no Michael Thomas. Ugh, that defense can honestly take almost a half a breath and take more of a breath. I see it 37-27, Vegas. Really? I, you know me. I, uh, I just do. It just I get I get that feeling where it just the Saints defense is not is not. Ugh, I don't see they have playmakers, but they are weird. Where well, they'll fall asleep at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Now, before we got it, can you tell people where they can interact with you on social media and what you got working for? What do you have as far as projects coming up? You can find me on Twitter at NFL Malik, M-A-L-I-I-K. And uh, coming up, I'm going to be, you know, now that we're really back in the swing of things, you know, writing some, you know, reviews in terms of uh, going through play-by-play on standout players or, you know, especially once we get the, the All-22, which has been a problem for a lot of people in um, the football world, that the All-22 footage hasn't come out for the games. But, you know, just going through some plays and looking at, uh, you know, guys who stepped up or, or should have did better and, uh, you know, just going through some film review. And you have a YouTube where you do your, you know, top 10 and you're going to do like, the, like they said, when the put the, when the all 22 comes out, you're going to do like play breakdowns. How could people see that? Yep. Um, my YouTube is under my name, Malik Obi, uh, Malik Obi's football fanatic. So, yeah, so you can find me on YouTube. You can find our work at Full Press Coverage backslash Raiders. You can follow us on Twitter at FPC underscore Raiders. You can follow me on Twitter at T Biggs, capital T, capital B, lowercase, everything else from League Ovi. Terrence Biggs, this has been an episode of the FPC Raiders podcast. Be good to yourselves and be good to each other. Good night. Good night, people. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.